Yeah. Kia ora Okay, let's get this web conference underway. We'll start with a karakia. Unihia te pau te pau whiri marama. Tomakia te ao te ao whatitangata. Tātai ki runga, tātai ki raro, tātai ahurau. Hamie, huie, taikie. Tēnā koutou katoa, greetings everyone. Haere mai and welcome to our Primary Industries Virtual Field Trip, which is sponsored by the Ministry of Primary Industries, MPI. I'm Shelley, the Learns Field Trip Teacher, and it's just after 9.15am on Tuesday, the 21st of May. And we've got with us this morning our expert, Duncan Park. Morning, Duncan. Morning. And Duncan, do you want to tell us a little bit about what your job is? Yeah, yeah I'm the uh, Market Access and Compliance Manager for Tenants and Growers, based here in Hastings. Uh, so my role is, is around... Uh, getting access for our apples to around 83 different countries around the globe. And so meeting the market requirements, uh, meeting the fruit quality that they need and getting that fruit uh, to those markets. Been with the company now about 30, 35 years. So a little bit older than you guys, but uh, have a fair amount of knowledge of what we do here. Yeah, so right now you're in one of the meeting rooms at TNG in the Hawke's Bay, just uh, near Havelock North, where we're based for the week. And it's a beautiful sunny day, so looking forward to getting out onto the orchard. But unfortunately, at this time of the year, we're not going to see apples on trees, but we are going to check out the pack house where apples are being packed, and apparently that's very busy at the moment. Um, so you'll be able to get to check that out and you'll find out about how apples are packaged and stored and exported. So it's going to be a very interesting day. So with us also this morning, we've got our ambassadors. Tiaki from St. Joseph's School in Opotiki and Maya, the cheeky Kia, my Learns ambassador, who's looking forward to trying some apples. Not the normal <laughs> diet of a Kia, but nonetheless, she's looking forward to it. Okay, so welcome along all our listening schools today. Great to see so many people listening in this morning to our web conference. And of course, a big welcome to our speaking school, St. Joseph's School. So we'll get underway with your questions, St. Joseph's. Big wave to them. And if you can remember to come up nice and close to the computer so we can hear your voice and great if you can say your name so we know who we're talking to. Okay, St. Joseph's, can we have your first question, please? How did your business start and what sustainable practices do you have? Good question to start, thank you. <clears throat> so, Turners and Growers, or TNG, is 125, 121 years old. So it's an amalgamation of companies. We were New Zealand Apple and Pear Board, which became EMSA, the Apple Marketing Group, and then the Turners family uh, out of Auckland, uh, who operated an auction floor for a range of produce, uh, came together. There was a, we were listed on the stock exchange and a company bought both those companies and put us together, which formed uh, Turners and Growers. And then we've also procured some other 
companies along the way. So we bought uh, Delica, a training company, and Apollo Orchards, uh, which is another Apple Packhouse um, here based here in Hastings. So those two companies have all have all come together under the one T, uh, TNG brand, and that is what uh, we are now today owned owned by a company in Germany uh, who own eighty percent of us, which is Baywa, and the other nineteen percent is owned by a Chinese company. So that keeps us um, keeps the company very busy and uh, and reporting. In terms of sustainability, um, that's very much what we're all about at the moment. Uh, a few years ago, EMSA in the 19, late 90s, 1995, we introduced IFP, so that's Integrated Fruit Production, and that's all around using less sprays. So going out into the orchard, um, monitoring leaves, monitoring insects, and trapping them, seeing how many we've got, and only then do we use e.g. a spray that will be targeted for that, that actual pest. So it's around reducing what the footprint is on, on, on chemicals. Uh, other things we do, um, there's a big push at the moment. You know those fruit stickers that you have on apples? Um, I see some of you nodding. So each one of those fruit stickers um, was a plastic sticker. Um, as of last week, uh, that is now a fully compostable sticker that will compost in your gardens if you've got a compost bin at school or at home, they will compost there within six weeks. So we're launching that uh, next next month uh, globally with all our products. Uh, so it's a very good step um, to leave the place, the world in a cleaner place. So you won't have those stickers uh, sitting in compost bins. Yeah, and it won't be as bad for you if you decide, like me, to be a little bit careless when you chomp into your apple and you actually <laughs> chomp halfway through the sticker. Not good to eat that plastic. So it's a great move for sustainability. Thanks, Duncan. Uh, question number two now, please. How, how, how do you choose your workers and how, do you, how many do you have? Good stuff. Thanks. Right. Thanks, Maya. I think I heard your name correctly as Maya. Someone's saying a big shout out to another person called Maya. Good stuff. Question number two. Right. So on site here, which you'll see some photos of uh, later, we have um, about 280 staff at the moment. Uh, so those staff are starting uh, six o'clock in the morning through to about 2.30 and then another group of people come in at three o'clock and work through to 11 o'clock at night. So a lot of seasonal staff and also a lot of permanent staff here, uh, 70 permanent staff members on this site here alone. Whereas in the wider T&G business, we have around 1,200 permanent staff members. So there's a lot of people doing a lot of different things. Mm. So lots of jobs available. Yeah. So I, I guess the options there, we actually do have a lot of seasonal staff that come in from the islands. So we have an RSC, Recognised Seasonal Employment Scheme. So that brings in around 440 staff from uh, Samoa, Vanuatu, Tonga that come and work for us here during the apple season. And it might be a job that you uh, do when you're um, out of school. And it might be before you decide you want to study, you might want to earn some money. 
um, lots of work available in the fruit industry. And that leads nicely into question number three, please. My name is Maisha. What are the main roles that staff have and what qualifications do they need? Good question. Oh wow, yeah, that's a big question. So it's so many staff here, we've got a big range of people. So myself, I started with a Bachelor of Science degree at university and then came and started working in the business here, so quite a few years ago. Um, but we have, in the business here, we have everyone from uh, seasonal workers that just come on site just to work for, for a few months, to accountants, forklift drivers, truck drivers, um, planning teams, market access, salespeople, uh, marketing. So there's a very diverse range of, of skills and uh, degrees that you come into to work with us here. And then you also need to keep training because things do change. So a, a big scope for people to, uh, to come forward with, with innovative ideas. Might also be the HR department. It might be um, export. Um, we export all our fruits, so we need logistic people, um, pickers, packers. You, there's a big range of people, engineers, electricians, IT, yeah. Diverse range for you to, to try out. Mm, and you're going to meet some diverse people during the field trip and see some of the different roles that are involved in the industry. Um, I'm just looking down the bottom of the Zoom window and I can see there's a lot of activity in the chat window, which is fantastic. Um, but we can't answer any of the chat questions until the end of our formal web conference. We've got our book school that's got their questions to ask and then we'll tackle some of the questions from the chat pod. So um, by all means, keep popping them in there, but we'll only be able to answer a selection of them at the end. Good stuff. Okay, now we're up to question number four, please. How do you transport the apples so they don't get bruised? Mm, big challenge, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big challenge because uh, no one likes to pick up a uh, bruised apple. So we use water. So in the packhouse, we, we put all the apples into water so that they float through the packhouse, so that stops them banging against each other and, and bruising. Then we pack them into, into moulded fibre trays. That's, that's packaging made of, of, of uh, paper, and we place the apples in rows on those, those trays, and they absorb some of the moisture in the cool store and soften, so that protects the apple while they travel from here to the other side of the world. Uh, those, those trays are made specifically for different fruit size, so the bigger apples have a bigger tray, or bigger cup that they put them into, and then the smaller ones. So it's a big part, we've got to make sure that fruit is correct for you to eat. Mm, and you might have your own ideas about how to package something like an apple and it might be something that you work on and you might be able to even pass on your idea to people like Duncan or to other industries. And now we're up to question five, please. Hi, my name is Mark. How long does it take for the seeds to grow into a tree then produce apples? Mm, I'll be wondering this myself. <laughs> Great challenge. Um, for us, we're, we're looking at new varieties, so something new that we can bring. So like uh, you might have had a jazz apple. Um, 
that took us 15 years to get from when it was only one tree uh, right through to producing about 10 trees, which you then grew orchards from. So that process is about taking pollen from one flower to another flower, crossing it, and then getting a whole lot of selections of, of varieties, and then choosing which variety actually works well uh, for us to eat and, and to look at. But then every year, the apple trees are uh, producing a new crop, uh, and, and they are those apple trees will produce couple of thousand apples, which we will reduce back around to around 400 apples a tree each year. But it's an ongoing cycle. Uh, we renew the wood on the trees so we can keep those trees good for about 25 years. So once you've got the apple that you want in terms of the seedling, what's the process there and how long does it take before your tree starts producing apples? Um, so you plant a, if you plant a tree uh, this winter, it will be two years before you start getting a couple of apples off that tree, and by five years it will be fully producing uh, regular four or five hundred apples um, a year. Wow, it's actually really quick, isn't it? Not looking like it's going to meet those standards, I have to say. Might have to get some tips from you yeah. later on in the trip. Okay, question number six now, please. My name is Destiny. How do you stop possums and other pests from attacking or eating your trees? Good question, Destiny. Thank you. You're right. We, we talked about this one a little bit earlier. And, and while possums aren't our big issue in the orchards uh, these days, um, the number of possums around here have been re reduced. Um, we, we are concerned around um, apples, around the uh, birds. Um, the old possum, and also in our offshore uh, orchards, they have deer, um, other parakeets and bats which eat a lot of the fruit, so they can be netted off. You can see uh, orchards with uh, netting around them, which would be both protecting fruit from hail, but also stopping insects and, and other pests flying onto the, onto the orchards. So it's, it's a process we do, but we, we also manage the harvest by picking the fruit before they're too ripe, which is when the possums would like to eat them. So we get, we get in first. Mm, good plan. And a little bit tricky when you're growing apples in different countries to know exactly which pests you need to control. We're going to find out more about pest management later on in the field trip. And question number seven now, please. What kind of growing conditions do apple need to grow and what climate do they need? Mm, very important. Yeah, a couple of big things here. So we're lucky, we're, we're based here in Hawke's Bay, which is an ideal growing condition for apples. We have um, a warm climate, so you need the warmth during uh, November, December, January, February and March for, for the apples to grow. But you also need cold weather in winter because an apple tree needs some winter chilling to, to lose the leaves off the tree and then set the bud. And when we get the warm weather coming through, the, the apples will, will burst into life. So you need a maritime type environment and you need very good soil. So here we have a very deep um, soil from, from the rivers. 
it gives us lots of nutrients for the apples to grow. Um, we're also concerned about global warming, so we're all aware of that effect on the world at the moment, and we might have to move into new areas. If we get too hot to grow apples here, we're looking at other places in New Zealand where we could grow fruit, so as we might move further south, uh, Canterbury, more growing in Otago, um, and also what varieties are going to grow very well. We're, we're involved in a hot breeding climate program of apples that like to grow in warm, warm environments. So. It's something we're monitoring and you've got to watch all the time. Mm, it must be a big challenge because, of course, the climate um, is one thing, the overall trend, but the weather is the other, and we all know that um, seasons can be quite different. I've just looked over there and seen a whole load of things. <laughs> we'll just wait for that. Yeah. Okay, we're now up to question. Yeah. Our listening schools can just check whether they're muted. That will be really helpful. Thank yeah, you. I'm looking around and I I can't see anybody unmuted. But I think they've sorted that. That's all good. Yeah. Okay, question eight, oh. please. Okay. Sorry, we uh, we we um, lost connection for a second there. Okay. My name is Vicky. How do you set your sale price of your apples? That is an interesting question. <laughs> it won't be the same all over the world, will it? No. So, I mean, that's not my expertise, but I, I do know a little bit, and that's around supply and demand, and also New Zealand. So, New Zealand apples demand a premium uh, price around the globe. We are seen as uh, clean and green, they see our eating quality of fruit as, as optimum and that we will get a better price than what we would get for easy fruit coming out of Chile or South Africa. So the sales team are working on that. We also have varieties which are unique to New Zealand um, or our sales team, so Jazz and Envy, uh, Pacific Rose, varieties that come have been bred in New Zealand that we can then market and make a sales pitch on offshore. We always have to have um, sales, so specials on fruit to get traction of fruit being sold uh, with, with customers. And we'll have a mar the marketing team putting out promotional uh, information to the consumer saying, hey, fresh New Zealand apples have arrived, come and get them, start eating. Yeah, because you wouldn't want to put too high a price on them or, and they wouldn't sell, um, or too low a price and you cut out your profit. So really important to juggle that so that you're making enough money, you're sustainable, and you're selling your apples rather than having to store them. And that brings us now to question number nine, please. My name is Martina, and I was wondering, does the government assist you with subsidies to get your business up and running? Thanks, Martina. Uh, it's a very short answer there. Uh, no, um, they don't. Uh, but the government has is very helpful um, in our market access roles. So MPI, um, Ministry of Primary Industries, and MFAT, uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade. They are very helpful with negotiations with uh, market access or if we're having a, an issue with a, in a certain country, they'll be a point of contact 
and they will go through and talk to that country to, and resolve uh, the issue. So we're a standalone company. We're listed on the stock exchange. We need to uh, fund and, and support ourselves in, in those roles. Good to know. And the final question, question number 10, please. My name is Charlotte. What varieties of apples do you have? Mm, good question, Charlotte, because I was in the supermarket yesterday and you can actually see a photo behind Barry in the Learns office from my diary. And there was a bewildering number of different apple varieties that I could choose from. And without spending ages in the supermarket, I found it quite daunting just knowing which apple to choose. Duncan. Right. So this year, New Zealand is exporting around 29 different apple varieties uh, to the globe. So it's quite a range out of New Zealand. Um, but saying that, there are about another thousand varieties globally which you could be could be picking uh, but there's a whole lot of new ones out there which not a lot of scope but the, the main varieties that you'll know would be likes of Royal Gala, Braeburn, Jazz, uh, maybe Fuji, Granny Smith, uh, they're all there but everyone is now trying to find new varieties to to promote uh, to the markets and that's what New Zealand is very good at uh, getting new ones. But for our company here at TNG, um, our big varieties are Envy, Jazz, uh, Pacific Rose, uh, quite a few Royal Gala, uh, Pacific Beauty. They're the ones that we are seeing a lot of uh, through this site here. And we're actually going to find out more about how apple varieties are developed, how long that takes, um, and how scientists help with that process, because it is a quite a long process. And it's quite cool to think that New Zealand has developed its own apple varieties that are now becoming world famous. Fantastic questions, St Joseph's School. Really enjoyable to be able to talk to you this morning and answer those questions. We're now going to move to the chat pod. If anyone has any extra questions, I can see there's been lots of activity in there. So if you move down to the bottom of your screen, you'll see a chat bubble. If you click on that, that will bring up the chat window. And there's been lots of activity in there that I haven't kept up with while we've been doing our web conference because I've been so interested in those answers. So Barry in the Learns office has probably got a few already that he thinks are worth starting on. Can you help us out there, Barry? Sure. So there was one about how long has your business been going on and you've answered that 121 years, I think, for... The, the whole thing and then the, the change to turners and growers and the after um, amalgamation of companies. So I think we've done that. But how does New Zealand stop pests is a good one, I think. Yeah, right. and, and what pests in particular yeah. are a problem, Duncan? Yeah. So pests are, are, are major for us for international market access. So it's something we, we work on all the time. So we talked briefly around IFP, integrated fruit production. So we'll have people go onto the orchards. Uh, we have uh, pheromone traps on an orchard. So they will attract moths that they'll fly into them. They'll land on a, on a sticky plate in the orchard. We can go along each week and count those. And if we see uh, too many pests, we would then go in with a, with a spray that would target that actual pest. Uh, we do other things like um, biopredation. So we have there have been specific wasps that have been brought into New Zealand that 
will lay their eggs inside the larvae of other pests. And that for, that for the reason they're killing those pests and, and dropping down the, the regime. Another one I think you will see um, tomorrow, uh, which is around SIT, sterile insect technology. We bring into New Zealand from Canada um, sterile insects, a lot of them, so like 50,000 of codling moths, that we then um, use drones to fly over the top of orchards and release these pests. And because they're sterile, when they mate, they don't actually produce any young, any eggs. So that crashes the population down and keeps it very, at very low levels. So that's quite new and exciting technology. Uh, we have a lot of people modeling, uh, capturing data, counting pests, uh, looking at leaves, and determining then when we should go into an orchard to actually apply a spray, not beforehand. It has to be a justified application. Mm, and really interesting to hear that drones are being used and um, sterile insects and all sorts of things. So things that are meaning that we don't use, need to use as many chemicals on our orchards, which is really cool. And um, science is really helping with that in technology. And it might be something that you get involved in um, once you leave school. Lots and lots of work to be had in this area to try and control our pests and I guess with climate change, Duncan, there potentially could be more pests in the future. Yeah, that's one of our big concerns. Um, you might be familiar, you might have heard about fruit fly that's been in Auckland. Um, so it's been from the male fruit fly called the Queensland fruit fly that have been found up there. Uh, there's a lot of work by MPI to, to track any that are left there because we have markets offshore that, that don't want fruit fly sent to them so that they've put in uh, additional um, rules that we have to meet and we can't send some of our fruit through Auckland. We have to send it out through other ports. So we're very conscious that we don't bring in new pests. So fruit fly is one, brown marinite stink bug would be another one. Uh, there's a, a ladybird out there at the moment which is also causing concern by it spreading. So yeah, we need to watch these and will climate change bring new pests and diseases? Yes, it will. So we, we need to make sure we've got got the answers. Mm, and that's not just for our orchards, but for our native forests as well. So keeping an eye out on, on our, um, our forests and our biodiversity and making sure that we're vigilant. If we think that as anything is up, you can check out the background page and find out how to report anything um, that might be a potential biosecurity risk, a pest or anything like that. Check out that background page to find out more. Okay, Barry, any other yep. questions today? Lots, yeah, a question from Emma about how long have apples been planted. I guess that also might lead into how the apple industry in New Zealand has changed over the years. Mm, and I did a little bit of research on this when I was um, writing the background pages for this field trip. And I know that um, some of the missionaries that came to New Zealand back in the early 1800s planted apple trees so apple trees have been growing in New Zealand for a long time. But Duncan, do you want to add to that? <laughs> yeah, it's a long one. The apple trees uh, go way back in, in history. You'll find reference to, to apples way, way back in history, a thousand years ago. Um, the very first pear tree, if you go to Kerry Kerry, uh, it's by the stone house up there. It's the very first pear tree that was brought into New Zealand by our missionaries. So been around for a long time and in New Zealand I don't have the date of when we first started um, 
but it has been a long time, and we're now developing orchards, um, better ways of growing the fruit, smarter techniques, techniques of growing the fruit, growing increasing yields per hectare so that we can feed an ever-increasing uh, world. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just wondering, so if you plant an apple tree, does it have like a average lifespan in terms of how long it can produce good fruit for and then you should pull it out and plant something else? Generally, we're working around 20 to 30 years lifespan for an apple tree. Um, in that time, the variety might have had its, had its day and there's new varieties you want to, want to plant with or uh, higher, better improved sports, which have improved colour or flavour, and certainly we're all about chasing flavour at the moment, crop yield. So, yeah, a lot of change. Um, we'll prune the tree each year to get renewal, so we get new shoots that we can grow the fruit on. Uh, but yeah, at some point, we need to replace the orchard. Good to know. And some other questions, Barry? Yep, sure. Um, what do you do with the bad apples? Oh, no, the bad <laughs> apples. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we will do two things. The, the, the main one is that uh, when they come into the pack house, um, any bad apple, defect apple or rotten apple, will go out to the juice factory. So you'll see um, Just Juice or, or various juice products around that are made from those apples that have uh, defects. And we have some of our own branded products, like there's an Envy, Envy juice, there's a Jazz juice. Um, people are also making cider now. Um, there's a few apple crisps. So you need to try and reduce that waste stream uh, through the process. Good stuff. Yep. So kids are really getting on about pests here, but maybe um, what is the most common pest in New Zealand, I presume for, for agricultural, for apples, and depending on, and which is the most interesting one? <laughs> and the most dangerous one? <laughs> Luckily, we don't have dangerous pests in terms of for humans, but um, apple leaf curling midge, uh, ALCM, is a very interesting one for us. Uh, it, it will grow in the new shoots or new new, new leaves and roll the leaf up. Um, it will then also uh, lay its eggs on, on, on the apple. And it is a market access um, issue for us into, into likes of Japan, uh, into China, uh, where it's an actionable pest that they don't want. So it's quite a bit done um, with, with that pest. Um, the, the team at Plant and Food Research uh, every week go out and count them. And these pests are, are very, very small. Uh, but they count them and we graph that and then on a, on a, a based on the results of, of that information, when they reach a, a peak in their life cycle, in terms of peak numbers on the orchard, we will then apply a, a spray. We'll go in and, and target the spray for them. We also have um, parasitic wasps that, that are released in New Zealand to um, by, to uh, lay their eggs in the, in the larvae to reduce numbers that way. And uh, TNG, we're also um, experimenting with a new lure and kill um, product. So it's, you put a dab of this... It's black, it's called, on each tree, and the apple leaf curling which will come, is lured into it, and when they eat it, uh, it, will, it will kill the pest. And so we're reducing the, the population on orchard. Mm. And it might be something that you want to do a little bit more research on yourself, yeah. because these 
parasitic wasps that Duncan is talking about usually are quite small and you're only allowed to bring them into the country if um, you can prove that they're going to be not a problem in other areas of the environment. So there's a, quite a process before you can bring in something like um, a foreign organism to control another organism. It has to go through a rigorous process so that we can make sure that it's not going to cause more harm than good. You might want to do a bit more research on that and discuss other ways that you could control pests. Okay, Barry, probably time for a couple more questions. The next main one is about, uh, for Duncan, is um, what's the favourite part of your job? Um, what are the things you like doing the most and, and what keeps you there? <laughs> um, oh, I certainly enjoy the market access side of things. Um, so we're developing quite some new protocols to access markets. Uh, so this week, uh, we're working with uh, Japan around methyl bromide recapture. Um, so how we can reduce that. We're also working the same, at the same time with, that, with Japan around a systems approach. So moving away from these chemicals into on-orchard best practice, um, post-harvest best practice, so that we can give them a more sustainable, more enjoyable eating product that we know will still meet their, um, their market requirements. So those sorts of challenges are, are very good. Um, you know, the day-to-day -day challenge of each season, season is also very interesting, just ensuring we get the optimum quality. So right now, every day I get 20, 30 emails from America, uh, continent, UK, Asia, of all our fruit that's turning up to the market. So the good and the bad, so it's a very interesting time. We speak to those people uh, every week. So it's an interesting, interesting conference call with a whole lot of various languages uh, being spoken. So those sorts of things are very good. Yeah. It must be quite satisfying, something you can be really proud of when you're able to produce such a, a good product that people want to buy overseas. And one last question, Mary. I think I'll... Uh, I'll, um, I'll do one for me because I'm surprised this hasn't come up before but why do we have so many varieties of apples and I'm wondering if they have different uses. Mm, good point. <laughs> um, we, we do have a lot of varieties Barry and I but the, uh, the supermarkets are pushing back. Uh, they really only want three or four varieties of apples on, on their shelves uh, and they want year-round supply of that product so uh, Kids growing in the southern hemisphere, where we are, we supply the fruit for six months, and then product that's grown in the northern hemisphere provide it for the other six months. So that's how we get year-round supply of the same product. But what every exporter and every supply group want to do is have their variety, that they can offer something different, um, and that's where we get all these new varieties coming out. Um, our... Our New Zealand business, New Zealand Apple and Pears, uh, work with uh, Priva around a breeding program with Plant and Food Research. So they are charged with producing new varieties on a, on a regular basis. So that's why you see a, a lot out there. And you might want to check out the Science Learning Hub because they've got a whole lot of information about selectively breeding apples and in particular how um, some scientists were developing a red-fleshed apple and there's a photo of it on the website and um, looking at how through selective breeding you can create an apple with different health benefits it might have 
less sugar or more potassium or something like that. So that sometimes is a reason to develop a different variety as well. Well, we've only just tapped into some of the many questions that people have this morning, but don't forget you can join us again tomorrow at 9.15 for the next web conference and ask more questions at the end of that. And of course, you'll see the videos from today, which will be online tomorrow, and hopefully that will help answer some questions as well. But we've got to go out and make the most of the sunny weather here in Hawke's Bay and head to the orchard. So thank you very much, everyone for joining us this morning and a big thank you to our speaking school, St. Joseph's School. So now we can all unmute and say a big goodbye. <laughs> Ka kite ono, everyone. Bye. 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 And well done. Have a great day. Bye-bye. I can't say bye. <laughs>